The Gospel of our Lord this morning is from the book of John 15, verses 1 through 8. Now, this text is Jesus speaking to his disciples just before he is to die. And he's trying to reassure and comfort his disciples who have no idea what's going on. He's trying to reassure them that things are going to be okay and that there is a way of seeing the world in which they will be protected. What I'd like us to do this morning is listen to this text as if it's a letter from Jesus to us. Because those disciples that Jesus spoke to so many thousands of years ago are no longer here. We are now Jesus' disciples. So I'd like us to read this text as if Jesus is speaking directly to us. And Jesus' letter reads, Dear Grace Lutheran Church in Palo Alto, this is how I see your role in the world. I am the true vine, and God is the vine grower. God removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, God prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear any fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. God is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. Here ends the word of Jesus this morning. When we read this text as a letter to us, it becomes a lot more personal. And to speak candidly, it's not a warm and fuzzy message. In fact, it's a little unsettling. I mean, Jesus is telling us that, okay, we get this. God is the creator. God is the vine grower, the master gardener, if you will. God has a vineyard, and in that vineyard, Jesus is the true vine. Not as in most vineyards where there are many vines, but in this God's vineyard, there is one true vine. 
and from this vine grow branches. We are part of those branches. We cannot live without being connected to the vine. Branches can't stand by themselves. They must be connected to the vine. And Jesus gives us that life-giving force that enables us to grow. So our purpose in life is to be a vine connected to the, is to be a branch, rather, connected to the vine of Jesus and to bear fruit for God. And not only is our purpose to bear fruit for God, but our purpose is also to have God prune us and shape us so that we can bear even more fruit. Now, this idea makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm not sure I want my sole purpose in life to be bearing fruit for God. I think a lot of us are a little uncomfortable with the idea of God's pruning us to make us bear more fruit. I mean, okay, I can see on a real vine where pruning is valuable. It does, in fact, make the vine more healthy, and it does make the vine bear more fruit. But when God's talking about pruning me, I'm not so sure about that, because what if God's pruning doesn't agree with what I have in mind for my life? When my daughter Kate was a little girl, uh, my husband and I took her with us to a family gathering. It was a pool party. Kate was almost two, and most of her cousins were older, much older than she was. And so the older cousins were old enough to play with the adults in the deep end of the pool. But Kate knew she was restricted to the shallow end of the pool. She didn't like that. She stood there by the shallow end, and she watched those bigger cousins play and jump into the water by themselves and shriek and have a lot of fun as kids do at pool parties. And I could see her, the wheels in her mind going, I want to do that. I want to be like the big kids. So all of a sudden, she tore across the cement, went to the edge of the pool, jumped in the water, and sank to the bottom like a stone. I, of course, being uh, you know used to this kind of thing, reacted extremely quickly, jumped into the water right after her, scooped her up from the bottom. She spluttered a little bit. I took her over to the edge of the pool, and I said, you know, Kate, you don't have to do this by yourself. If you want to swim, you can, you know, I'll take you in the pool and I'll help you swim. And she, being the independent, willful, stubborn child that she was, pulled away from me and said, no, I do it myself. And sure enough, Another seven or eight times, she went back to that same, exact same spot and jumped back into the water and sank like a stone to the bottom every time 
And every time I was there, like the good and loving parent that I am, who loves her more than anything else in the world, scooped her up, set her back on her feet, watched her turn her back to me, and say, I do it myself. Now, was Kate really doing it by herself? Not at all. But she had faith that even when she jumped into the water, when she couldn't swim, and even though she sank to the bottom every time, she had faith that I would be there to pick her up and set her back on her feet. She also knew that she had the will and the power to turn her back on me and say, I do it myself, even though she knew she couldn't. Now, some of us, I think, have this kind of relationship with God. You know, we, we go out into, we come to church um, on Sunday mornings, and a church that looks kind of like the box that we sometimes want to put God in, and we are happy to be here. I was always happy to be here. I loved seeing my community, my brothers and sisters in Christ, my family, my church family. I loved sharing my experiences. I loved hearing the gospel and the lessons read and the sermons preached. I love singing the hymns. Sometimes they bring tears to my eyes. I love communion and feeling that closeness to Jesus and God. But after church, I would go home and get busy with my chores and go to work during the week. And I would think I was doing it myself, making my own decisions, planning my own life. That illusion is comfortable for many of us. And every time I would get into trouble, which was probably God's way of trying to prune me, but I didn't recognize it at the time. I would turn to God and pray for God to help me get through this, but I wouldn't change. I would just turn my back again and say, I'm doing it myself. Silly. Then... One day I realized that the words faith and trust are in fact synonymous. I realized that when I had faith that God in fact is my creator and my guide and my sustainer and the master vine grower. And I have faith that Jesus is my redeemer and Jesus is the true vine. And Jesus is the only way I can draw the life I need to survive. Why wouldn't I also trust that God knows more about what I need than I do? Why wouldn't I also trust that the pruning that God has in mind for me 
will in fact give me a better purpose in life than I can imagine for myself? Why wouldn't I trust that the pruning that God has for me, in fact, is what I need to live a more productive and fruitful life? Jesus gave us a great example of how trust in God and faith in God produces the kind of fruit that God wants us to bear. In Jesus' entire life, we can see by his example how he glorified God by showing the world who God is. That God, in fact, is the one who has us in mind, all of God's children in mind, to love them and do the best thing for them. And God made Jesus' purpose in life one that showed us how much we are truly loved. And not only that we are loved, but Jesus passed on that love to everyone else in the world. Jesus loved all of his neighbors as he loves us. And just about when Jesus was to receive the single most significant act of pruning ever known to this world, he was scared. He knew it was going to be hurt, to hurt. He knew that pruning was going to be a really, I mean, the most horrible experience one can imagine. And yet when he prayed to God, he said, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Not what I want for my life, Lord, but your purpose be done. Because Jesus knew that in order to glorify God and to do what was right for the whole of God's creation, not just for himself, he needed to accept that pruning. He needed to follow God's will. So when we see ourselves as branches in the vineyard, we have to remember that we don't stand alone. We are part of the whole. We are part of the entire vineyard of God, millions and millions of branches growing around the world, encircling the globe of every country, of every denomination, if you will, of every nation. And God is pruning us all for God's purpose, not for ours. We cannot prune ourselves in the same way God can because God knows how we fit into the whole, how our purpose fits into the whole. God knows how we, when we are pruned, will fit into the vineyard in order to make it a healthier and more fruitful vineyard, in order that God can be glorified through our fruit to the rest of the world, and the rest of the world can see 
the love of God and the love of God for, and our love, therefore, for all our neighbors, just as God sees it, just as God has planned, so that God's kingdom on earth can be as it is in heaven. This is kind of hard for us to accept because we, like Kate, like to think that we're independent. We, like Kate, like to think we can do it ourselves. It's hard. We can, we can hear this intellectually, and it makes sense to us, but it's hard for us to feel it in our hearts. Here's where I give you the good news for the day, the gospel. We don't have to build our own faith and trust. God has given it to us as a gift. It's a gift freely given. Our faith, by God's grace, we are justified through the faith in Christ that God has given us. All we have to do is not reject the gift. All we have to do is not turn our backs on God's pruning and not say, I do it myself. All we have to do is say, not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Thanks be to God for this gift. Amen.